Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here, Dan Rubenstein right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That's the email address. 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-837-2251. That's the reverb line. We'll play those momentarily. Also, feel free to find us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes if you like what we're doing. Give us a rating. Uh, give us a, a star review. That is a mouthful, Dan Rubenstein. How are you, sir? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty good, although I'm I'm speaking to you with a heavy heart. Oh. I am starting to make peace with the fact that there might not be, excuse me. Let it out, Dan. We're friends here. There might not be two SEC teams in the playoff tie. And I don't know that this season counts if that's the case. I'm sorry. Just let it I'm out. Sorry. Man. Just let it out. God, Ty, I just, they're all beating each other. And why can't we all just get along? I just feel like we agreed that other conferences shouldn't exist. And now we're here and uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Just let it out, man. It's all right. All right. I think it's gone. You I good? think it passed me by. I think you we're good. good. That came, yep. that came on quick. Yeah. Ty, that hits me like a ton of bricks. I was sitting there yesterday watching the game, seeing those just those poor SEC teams losing to each other. And it's it's an emotional time and not just my life, but I think, you know, I think Big 12 fans feel that for SEC fans. Pac-12, Big 10, ACC, smaller schools, even other SEC teams, the the fans thereof. I think they're really it's it's a it's with a heavy heart that they're they're feeling for their brothers and sisters. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens to the SEC. Now, of course, the big story as we progress through the week is that on Tuesday night, the playoff committee is going to release its first set of rankings. Yeah. You just know there's going to be one stinker in there. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some variable that no one saw coming and everyone argues about just right. as folks did earlier today when the latest AP and coaches polls were released. Twitter goes just ablaze. With yeah. different uh, hot, takes. hot we, takes. We did get an email here from a verballer named Benjamin, and I need to read this because you're talking about the SEC. Heartbreaking, Ty. He says, listen to this scenario. LSU beats Ole Miss. Auburn beats Ole Miss. LSU beats Bama. Bama beats Mississippi State. Ole Miss beats Mississippi State. Bama beats Auburn. All totally plausible outcomes. He said, if those five teams do not lose to anyone else, if those are mm -hmm. the only losses for each of those teams for this from this point forward, it is not far fetched that there will be a five way tie at 10 and two atop the SEC West and that five teams would be two and two against one another. Right. If that happens, the tie would then be broken, Dan, <laughs> by a series of seven tiebreakers and ultimately decided by who wins the SEC East. <sighs> that is Good. nuts. Yeah, that's that's the doomsday scenario. Everybody loves chaos, right? Chaos is fun. It gives us stuff to talk about. That's a little too much chaos for me. No seven tiebreakers. Oh, yeah. No seven. See, because as the Notre Dame fan, I'm afraid that if you put one team in the SEC West, 
into the SEC championship via tiebreaker. That will then give the playoff committee carte blanche to put two SEC West teams in the playoff. And again, as a Notre Dame fan, that hurts my team's chances. So that's why I'm rooting against that level of chaos. That said, it isn't that far-fetched. Every situation there, all six scenarios that mm-hmm. Benjamin sent in are very possible yeah. and clearly, clearly could happen. I was hoping the tiebreaker would be Jeff Sagarin riding in on a horse and just coming in and saying, <laughs> it's Arkansas, and then galloping away. Jerry Palm answering trivia questions. The answer is Vanderbilt. I'm away. <laughs> I don't know if that's what Jeff Sagarin sounds like, but I hope it does. Oh, God. So what'd you think of week nine? Uh, fun week. Uh I mean, unless you're Texas. Yep. Uh, but no, it was it was a fun week. There were good games all day, decent games all day. We had some some interesting endings. Um, to say the least. To say the least. The late night games were interesting at moments. Uh, Friday night with Oregon over Cal was a little bit dicey and took what felt like five and a half hours. Utah USC was fun late last night. We had a, a scarier, I think, Auburn, South Carolina game than we were expecting. But really, with, with Florida State off, the story, I mean, Josh Robinson's big ass was a huge story. Uh, LSU Ole Miss, obviously, and the missed opportunities and the, the very slim opportunities that were taken advantage of was a thing. Michigan, Michigan State, I'm not even sure who Big Brother is anymore. Um, I mean, it was, it was a generally good Pac-12 day. West Virginia, really, I felt, had a very nice day. It was, it was teams more or less, with the exception of maybe the, the Ole Miss game, cementing where we thought they were. Like UCLA was a team that like, hey, we won, but we struggled against a not-so-good team. Like, oh, yeah, that's kind of who we thought we, you were, UCLA. Thanks for being you again. From my standpoint, as I look at the Pac-12, okay. this week was more a means to an end because next week we're going to get a lot more clarification on where these teams stand now moving yeah. forward. We'll find out a lot more about the Pac-12 South next week. Mm-hmm. Stanford plays Oregon. Stanford does play Oregon. We're going to get true. some uh, some clarity on Stanford because Stanford's offense looked a little better. Can they score with Oregon? The answer, of course, is probably not, but the defense is really good, and we know they've had success against the Ducks previously. I like how you're saying, like, hey, that team can't score in Oregon like you've never watched Oregon's defense this season. The Don Pelham defense. Because everybody wall. can score in Oregon. Let's start the show where we start every show. Let's have a listen to those Week 9 reverbs. Ooh. This is Dr. Bo calling live from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Guess what, everyone? I'm back. Hey, guys. This is Scott from Bangkok, Thailand. Dr. Fury is here. Dallas calling from Honolulu, Hawaii. Hey, it's me. Hey, this is Jay from Taipei, Taiwan, and a proud member of the booming international college football market. Also over here, I met an Asian version of Thai, and it was like looking at an exact photograph. It was an admittedly weak set of games, but I think the most shocking part about today was the fact that Sean McDonough had no idea who Corella DeVille was. What? Oh no, Dr. Moe! Connor Holliday thinks that that Bo Wallace throw is just hilarious. And that is why they are old men. Go Tigers. First time in my life, you'll start for the ball, fan. Watching that first quarter performance, must be like watching your ex-girlfriend make out with the homecoming king. The Kentucky Wildcats, we're here to stay in the SEC. Ty, I guess I owe you a uh, bottle of some nice bourbon. Going for it on fourth and goal of 21 to nothing with an offensive guard to long snap or touchdown pass, 
That is so burnt. Ty, Dan, I love you. Ohio State loves you. JT Barrett loves you. O-H-I-O. I think I drank so much this weekend in State College that I imagine Penn State went to double overtime with Ohio State. My wife made me go out for our anniversary. Can someone text me the score? Dan, what's your favorite three and out that Michigan's had against Michigan State in the past, I don't know, four years? Who says Michigan isn't improving under Brady Hoke? They just scored a touchdown against Michigan State for the first time in three years. I just want to know who has more money on the point for it, Brady Hoke or Mark Antonio? Guess what tonight is, as a Michigan fan, Netflix night. We're happy to report with the addition of Lisa Ann, the average age of a Notre Dame fan has come down by 15 years. I love the commitment from Notre Dame players during the off week. I mean, the Irish may have suffered a recent loss, but that didn't keep Justin Brent from posing with two big old trophies at a recent Knicks game. I watched my better half Wisconsin Badgers and male war jump around. Solid game by the Badgers. I think Maryland has regressed from the oatmeal stage down the burnt coast. It's just awful. The first five minutes of Pitt, Georgia Tech, have to be a lot for tire fire of the year. Dan, I had tacos today, so you should be proud of me. Still trying to figure out which of Pitt's six fumbles is my favorite one. Can I get a seven win, Steve, and a Mr. Softy on this one? Because that was pretty much Kleenex. I wonder how many times Chris Peterson had water bottles thrown at his team when he coached Boise State. Go ahead and play the sound effects because Texas Tech just got boat raced. Ha <laughs> ha! TCU just scored again. It's okay, though. We have a lot of swag on our sideline. Weird thing happened. I'm watching the Minnesota-Illinois game, and the commentator kept referring to every tackle as a man taco. Let me repeat. A man taco. Let's get into the games. Let's first start with LSU Ole Miss. Yeah. Night game, Tiger Stadium. Chris the Capper's lock. He expected it to be low scoring. We expected it to be low scoring. This was not yes. rocket science. Maybe not this low scoring, though. No, I can't imagine a lot of people had 17 total points. Not a lot of people out there going 17 total points. Right. First things first. Got to hand it to LSU. We've been throwing the defense under the bus all season, and it still isn't a great defense, but it looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah. Held Ole Miss down to just 313 yards, most of which, if you can't tell from the final score, was in between the 20s. That's what they yes. need to do to keep themselves in the game. And then let's not discount the effort by the offensive line and the running backs against presumably the best defense in the nation, if you believe football outsiders. 55 rushes, 264 mm -hmm. yards on the ground. Leonard Fournette had a really nice day, literally had his face mask ripped off on a play later in the game, yeah. which I've, I've never seen that before. Never, ever. You got to tighten those screws or something, man. You, you must literally tighten those screws. Yes. This is how LSU is going to beat Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. It's how it is probably going to try to beat Alabama in a couple weeks on November 8th. Yeah. This is LSU. And I actually feel more comfortable now knowing what LSU is. I feel like not only do we know, but Les Miles knows too. Their quarterback situation is a mess. But it does appear as if they can run the football and the defense is getting better, at least in the last three games. Mm -hmm. If this is the LSU team that we have for the rest of the season, this is kind of like other LSU teams we've seen. 
you know, kind of a murky situation at quarterback, but a good ground game. They're going to try and sloppy it up. They're going to play defense. They're going to try and bash your brains in and beat you with a low score. Right. I, I am way more confident with this LSU team that we saw on Saturday than I was with the one we saw a couple weeks ago when they lost like 41 to seven. Uh, yeah, this this is an LSU team. I think it's a wild card team. Like it's so young and so there's there's not a ton of polish to this LSU team that they do play with reckless abandon, which is great when it works. And it's obviously looking at the Mississippi State game from a couple weeks ago. Not so great when it doesn't. If they if a team forces LSU to beat them through the air, which Ole Miss was not able to do or able to do most of the game, but the, they really wore LSU wore down with that really good offensive line and that that three headed uh, Fournette McGee Hilliard attack. Especially it was like something like a 95 yard drive at the end of the game they were able to just make life miserable for Ole Miss. And we got, as everybody liked to point out, we got bad bow and we haven't seen really bad bow. We've seen him for yeah. a quarter at a time here and there against Memphis, Tennessee, whoever, but we got bad bow for the better part of four quarters, sailing balls. Yep. We knew Ole Miss when we were talking about this game going in that they could not run the ball consistently, which in a place like Baton Rouge and death Valley and tiger stadium, you need to be able to do that just to, to give your defense a little bit of the rest to perhaps take the crowd out of it. And Ole Miss had a couple of nice runs. I mean, Bo Wallace can't do everything himself and surely did not. And LSU was able with that sort of wild card. Let's just send six guys minimum on every play, even with Ole Miss putting or with LSU's own offense, putting their defense in a bad situation. Um, they just tore at Bo Wallace and, and rattled him and sort of had him skittish and running out of the pocket and overthrowing. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Ole Miss one turnover, LSU four, yeah. LSU wins. So it was a matter of Ole Miss take not taking advantage of huge spots, missing on third downs, which they did repeatedly. Um, and I mean, Ole Miss was a little bit in the in the way of lacking discipline. It was LSU winning a crazy wild card less miles game. Uh, they're yeah. baby rattlesnakes compared to the the big rattlesnakes that we've seen in recent years from LSU, but those are the mo more potent predators. So are they? Like, did I just did I just blow up my microphone with more potent predators? A lot of peas there. We might need to uh, install that pop yeah. screen. I think the venom is more potent of baby rattlesnakes, is but it? they're they're more a little bit crazier. Yeah, so you can't really count on them. So I think that's where that's where my uh, my mind is at with LSU right now. I'm googling baby rattlesnakes and please venom. do. I'm almost positive that that's the case. Okay. Um. You mentioned bad bow. Yeah. Dr. Bow in this game, 14 of 33, Not good 176, excuse me, through the air. Mm -hmm. Also acted like a punk running off the field before the game was over, which is always a class move. Here is the odd circumstance that blew my mind, blew a lot of minds at the end of this football game. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. Ole Miss gets the ball back. They're down 10-7. There's 119 left on the clock. Yeah, they drive the ball all the way down the field. Nice drive. Mm -hmm. They get to LSU's 25 yard line with nine seconds left. Kicker comes out. Looks like it's going to be a 42 yard attempt. Delay of game. Yes. Delay of game. Now, 47 yard attempt. Your kicker who you're trotting out there, his career long is 46. So what's Hugh Freeze do? Brings the offense back out there. You've got nine seconds left. You don't have any timeouts, but right. nine seconds, you can still get a playoff. Something quick to the sideline, something like that. Yeah. To the flat, something, right? You can get right. out of bounds, give yourself a little bit more of a chance of making that field goal. That was the game plan. Instead, Bo Wallace goes out there, decides 
F it, I'm going deep. Yeah, he wanted to be in Les Miles' head. Yeah. F it, I'm going deep. Yeah. Chucks it up, double coverage, left side of the field, LSU intercepts the pass, two seconds left, game over. Yeah, if you had some sort of crazy look and he thought he had single coverage, but Hugh Freeze basically said, hey, throw it to the flat or throw it away, and we can still compete and win this game. And Bo was just not having it. But, you know, it happens. LSU is is in decent shape. They've got two losses, and Ole Miss, I believe, will still control its destiny because they lost to a two-loss team. That's right. Who knows? All right. uh, Let's talk about Mississippi State. Mm. The Bulldogs win on the road in Lexington, 45 to 31. Dan, things got a little plucky in Kentucky. Little Harry. Little plucky. Yeah. A win's a win. It is. Good for Mississippi State, but this game I did not feel was a great look for the Bulldogs on defense. Kentucky runs up 500 yards of offense. 390 through the air with Patrick Tolles. Mm-hmm. It could have been that Mississippi State was rusty from the bye week. No. Or it. Do, do you think maybe a sign of things to come? I think it's a sign of things that we've already seen. Mississippi State's defense has not been lights out over the course of a whole field. They've been very good in the red zone, but they have given up yards. Texas A&M stalled a lot because of drops in that game. Not that Texas A&M would have won, but Mississippi State has been bend but not breaky and it's worked for them and Kentucky's offenses uh, particularly through the air Patrick Tolles was fantastic on the ground through the air and they had broken plays that went for long touchdowns but you know what really good defense don't, don't defenses don't allow that and Mississippi State and this is I, I'm going to take more of a positive than a negative from this game because that felt trappy as hell yeah. going to Kentucky against a pretty decent Kentucky team who can move the ball and having Mississippi State be able to win a game by two touchdowns when playing pretty poor defensively and not being able to throw the ball consistently at all. Dak Prescott was pretty good on the ground. Josh Robinson is ridiculous. Yeah, he's good. Um, and so to be able to win a game on the road in multiple ways, despite sort of shortcomings, I think is admirable ish. I don't want to see giving up 30, 40 points every week from the the number one team. Just like I'm not super comfortable as an Oregon fan, seeing an Oregon team give up 40 points a week and be in playoff contention. That does not make me feel great, but it is something that you can win in multiple ways. And Mississippi state has been able to do that thus far there. You're allowed one or two survive in advance games and still be considered. Like, I still think they're a very, very good team. If they're giving up this many points every week, they are a good team. Yeah. I I like Mississippi State. This was a good game to watch, regardless of how good a team Mississippi State is relative to others. Mm -hmm. If you were just on the couch at home, I know we joked about this game. Oh, my God, CBS, how'd they get this game? This was a fun game to watch. There were a lot of points. Absolutely. Bit of a shootout. The game was within one score late in the fourth quarter. I never really felt like Kentucky was going to win, but they did have opportunities to Mm -hmm. at least tie the football game, and it made it uh, a fun watch. Kentucky, not there yet, but on the right path. Absolutely. They are on the right path. I love the uniforms with the the super shiny silver helmets. I loved it. The excitement in Lexington was off the charts. You've never seen that before for a Kentucky football team. Exciting to see that. Good fight after a 41-3 to loss. 
They're getting very plucky nice in to Kentucky. see that from Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a sign of good coaching and focus and players buying in. And not like they could have lost that game 41 to three to LSU the week before and be like, look, we're putting together nice another nice recruiting class. Let's get through the season. And really next year is our year. No, they came out and they they gave the number one team in the country every single bit that they could handle. That sounds dirty now that I see hear myself say that, but yeah. whatever. I, I stand by it. Mississippi State plays Arkansas next week and the Hogs won 45-17 over UAB. Mm-hmm. The only highlight from this game, the only reason we're really talking about this game, <laughs> right? There was a weird play here in which a 350-pound offensive guard for Arkansas mm-hmm. threw a really nice fadeaway touchdown pass to Very a nice. long snapper. It was it was fantastic. Yes. The the fat guy trick play touchdown pass is is new to me. And in, in sort of recent experience and the ultimate Brett Bielema, the ultimate Burt play. And yeah. happy to see it. Nothing else to take away. I heard you mention LSU again. Mm. I read to you from the Arizona Health Sciences Center website. <laughs> okay. Don't know where you're going. No, mature animals generally cause worse bites. Is that true? This is another. So I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm reading this. This is another story based on a partial truth. In Arizona, our most common cause of snake bite is the Western diamondback rattlesnake. And studies indicate that baby Westerns have a different blend of venom components than their parents do on a drop for drop basis. That means that some of the components are present in higher concentration in venom from baby snakes than from adults. I literally do not know what this is saying. I'm, I looked it up on a separate site, and it is apparently a legend that okay. baby venomous snakes are more dangerous because they can't control the amount of venom that they they put into uh, their prey. Apparently, it is not true. So, it can we still call LSU the baby snakes? Though I think I think that's definitely okay. Let's just roll with that from this yeah. point forward. The baby snakes. Let's move on. Auburn forty-two, South Carolina thirty-five. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. So, are we at the? point where we can start saying death taxes and Auburn needing to outscore someone to win? Uh, I think we are getting to that point. Yeah, I think Auburn's defense misses some of the pass rushing that they figured that they were going to have early on in the season that they yeah. lost due to injury. Um, the Mississippi State game, of course, they give up nearly 40. I mean, the, the LSU win is still really nice from Auburn. They held them down, but that offense is not a very balanced, potent offense at the moment. They are still but baby snakes. Um, and I, I feel pretty good about Auburn's defense, but I, there's certainly a tier below a couple other ones in the sec. I agree. Uh, zero defense in this game. Right. And as you mentioned, uh, sort of feels like we're right back where we started from with the Auburn defense. Yeah. They're going to need to win shootouts and this might not be a bad thing for Auburn, by the way. No, Uh, and their offense is clicking really, really well. Yeah, they're they're pretty good at scoring points. And Nick Marshall was great in this game, like 12 of 14, something. He only missed like two passes, had Mm -hmm. four touchdowns. So this is a game they're comfortable playing. We said a lot of the same stuff last year against Florida State in the championship. They just yeah, have, we, they don't we have saw, the defense, right? We saw the SEC championship. They give up points, but they're, when their offense is clicking, you yeah. are going to need to score 45 points or somewhere in the region to beat Auburn generally. The Kansas State game aside, if Auburn's offense is clicking, which it is about eight or nine out of 10 games, which is a, a pretty nice clip, uh, you're going to need 40 to 45 or else it's just not going to be good enough. All right, I'm going to move on. Very quickly mention Alabama, Tennessee and yeah. Missouri Vandy, but Auburn plays Ole Miss next week in Oxford. Do you have an early lean? Auburn, Ole Miss in Oxford. 
Um, I don't think there's too much of a body blow situ a body blow situation for Auburn. For Ole Miss, there certainly is. It's it comes down to I suppose Bo Wallace's confidence. Uh, he should be able to move the ball against Auburn. He and Ole Miss a little bit. Um, I would imagine. Do you know what the spread is yet? Uh, I will look at it. Look it up. Here. I would imagine Ole Miss is going to be favored by a couple, um, just because it's in Oxford. But that's that's going to be an interesting game. That's such a hot take from me that it's going to be an interesting game. But I I'm looking forward to seeing Mississippi is favored by three. Yeah, that, that feels about right. Looking forward. I mean, the, the Auburn offense against the Mississippi defense is going to be fun as hell. Yeah. I'm going to have to think a little bit more about that one. Um, and, and yes, I am aware that I eliminate two of the S's in Mississippi. Because <laughs> Come on. Efficiency, people. I don't have time for all of these syllables. Alabama 34, Tennessee 20. Other than Amari Cooper being an absolute man child. Yeah. And Tennessee continuing, to their credit, continuing to play hard for four quarters. Do you take anything away from this game? Um, not entirely. They put up 20 of those points in the first quarter, 27 in the first half, and Tennessee mostly held them down. Alabama went pretty conservative in the second half. Um, no, they didn't want to show a ton. It appears after yep. going up. It was it was Dobbs and not Worley. Um, I think Nate Peterman started for Tennessee. Mr. And was, Peterman. It was simply not the answer. Um, and I... No, I didn't. I admittedly did not watch a lot of this game. I'm probably going to watch this on Monday or Tuesday just because it was happening on, on so many of the other at the same time as so yeah. many of the other games. So a nice game. I watched about the first quarter and a half on a uh, on an iPad and then I just moved on with my life. Um, the only other SEC action, Missouri now somehow six and two. They beat Vandy. Um, I want to move on. I want to I want to talk about the Pac-12. Yeah, let's do it. Utah 24, USC 21. Mm -hmm. Sarktober. <laughs> Sarktober is very quickly becoming something you can set your watch to. Yeah. Your watch by. Watch to by. I'm good with either. It's like Lobster Fest or Toyotathon. Sarktober. <laughs> it just sort of has that ring to it. It's the Nissan Tent event. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So you called this one. This was your I lock. Did. You got one right finally. Good 100 for you. 100% of the time, Ty, 100% of the time, I am either wrong or right. Did you stay up and watch this game? Uh, I watched the first half, watched the second half this morning. So I did not stay up as late as I wanted to. I actually tweeted out from the Solid Verbal account. They're like, hey, I'm going to sleep. And I'm pretty sure Sark and USC are going to blow this. And I woke up at like three or four in the morning, just randomly. I don't know if it was to use the restroom or whatever it was. I checked my phone. I was like, huh. I felt pretty good about myself. Yeah, and I accidentally ruined that tweet by staying yeah, up to, to watch the game. But here's what I did. I think I yeah. found a secret to a better viewing experience. Yeah, you told me about this. Fired up Fox Sports Go on the phone as I was falling asleep. I kept the sound on and I put it next mm -hmm. to me on the pillow. Mm -hmm. I allowed myself the latitude to fall asleep. Right. But because I had the volume on and because it was Gus Johnson on the call, right. every time there was a big play and he got that booming inflection in his voice, mm -hmm. I would wake up. I would wake up. It was like watching one of those supercut games on NFL Network. Yeah, yeah, you get all the key points without all the filler. It was the hidden city, man. I'm telling you, it was <laughs> the whole game in what felt like 15 or 20 minutes. I saw the whole damn thing. It was great. 
Yeah, uh, it came down. I mean, th- I think each of the teams only scored a couple of offensive touchdowns. Dory Jackson had a long kick return, something like 95, 99 yards, something. And I want to say Utah, I, they did. I saw it. Utah had a scoop and score uh, at the beginning of the game. So low scoring. Uh, both teams were okay, not terrific on third down. Both offensive lines weren't terrific. Uh, both teams leaned on their running game, which succeeded to, I mean, Devonte Booker. I mean, both Buck Allen and Devonte Booker were fine. Nothing special at all. Um, and it was, it, everything seemed pretty even in games like that. He comes down late. Whoever has the ball last and Travis Wilson, after jumping for the pylon and coming up just short, hit Kalen clay and Utah wins late. Yeah. And USC is, I'm still at the point as fun as saying things like Sarktober. As fun as saying things like that are, USC is pl- still playing well, like 20, 25 fewer scholarship players available. And that's mostly why, I mean, I, I talked about this when, we, when I'm picking the shows. Like, they're just, they're so much thinner. And to be able to go and play a physical team for four quarters is going to be very, very difficult, as good as they've been stopping the run. And USC, to their credit, they did a good job. They played to yeah. Utah's level, which is a, a good level, um, for four quarters. It's just the average talent of USC is so much higher, but it's at a certain point, it's just a numbers game and Utah can rotate in and out. Utah has Nate Orchard. Who's a fantastic defensive lineman and was, you know, threatening on every single play. And USC just can't counter the waves that Utah was able to, to put on the field at times. So USC will get there. I don't know what their ceiling is with Sark, but in a situation like this, it's just, it's really going to be tough week in and week out. Yeah. And I mean, both these teams are inconsistent. It's just what they're inconsistent about. Mm Utah is really inconsistent on offense, but they're pretty solid on defense. USC is kind of all all over the map. Right. On some weeks, it's going to be offense. On others, it's going to be defense. Um, Utah, by the way, now six and one. Six and one. Don't get too excited. (laughs) Over the next four weeks, they go to Arizona State come right. back home against Oregon, go mm-hmm. to Stanford, then come back home against Arizona. Yeah. That's a tough stretch there. It if is. you want to get excited about anything, uh, you know, get excited about Travis Wilson's hair because it's still magnificent. What time do you think Utah ASU kicks off? <sighs> um, 11 a.m. Baghdad time? Uh, maybe. It's 11 p.m. Eastern. Really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. So cool. So here's an, one that you can fall asleep to it. Here's an interesting tidbit. Yeah. For those who listen each and every week, there will be a substitute host in my chair for the next two shows. What? A friend of mine is getting married in Mexico. Can I request Mama H to be my co-host? I can ask and see if she's available. Okay, cool. Friend of mine getting married in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Which I'm told is two hours behind us. I was uh, looking at the world on, clock on the phone. Yeah, I don't know if it depends on the part of Mexico, but that generally sounds right. Yeah. Two hours behind. I thought it was one. I can tweet from Mexico. I can watch this game at a reasonable hour. Maybe that's the secret to watching Pac-12 football. Go to a foreign country. <laughs> There's a question that certainly has to be on everybody's mind right now. Yes. What is your what is your potato priority going to be? I've read reviews. Tots, smashed, au gratin, baked, shredded, hash brown, home fries. What are we going to do? I got to see what's available first. Okay. Mexi tots. I've read great reviews. I also got a picture from a friend who's already there. 
who okay. sent me a picture of a menu that f- said Philadelphia cheesesteak. Um, <laughs> the ingredients die. of which were grilled beef tenderloin and cream cheese, which from where I come from does not constitute a Philadelphia steak sandwich. But um, we'll see what we have when we get there. Eat Mexican food, Ty. I want to. I wanted to last time. Food. I couldn't find it. Okay. Okay. I swear I want to a God. Full report. Tweet it from the Solid Verbal account. Tweet your proof of that your of your Mexican food consumption. I will, I'll tweet. We've got okay. Wi-Fi and everything down there. Okay. I'm I'm looking forward to it. My substitute host, I believe, will be Celebrity Hot Tub Ryan Nanny. It will be Ryan Nanny because okay. there is the, the options for who it could be are the people that sit closest to me and that's yep. the, are the easiest people to, to shame into hosting the show with me. So it was either, it was either Ryan Nanny or Mike Prada. Mike Prada is our NBA editor who doesn't know anything about college football. And it was actually a pretty close call. Okay. Uh, so Oregon's got Stanford. I will yeah. tweet that one on Thursday, although I won't be in the States to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, USC now five and three. They've got Wazoo, Cal, UCLA, and Notre Dame on the docket still. Yep. As Jeff in Illinois tweeted us, it could be the triumphant return of seven win Steve. Absolutely. Same. It could. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, we mentioned Oregon. They won 59-41. This was a neutral site game in Santa mm-hmm. Clara. At Levi's Stadium, whatever we're calling it now. Right. Marcus Mariota, five touchdowns, looked really good. Oregon barely covers a 17 and a half point spread. I'm assuming you watched this game in its entirety. I did. What were your general takeaways? Uh, Oregon was by far, not surprisingly, the more talented team on the field. Offensively, they were good. The offensive line was was pretty decent once again. Royce Freeman is the clear number one back, and Thomas Tyner wasn't. I don't think he was even in uh, Santa Clara, who had been starting before the past couple of weeks with Royce Freeman. Um, Marcus Mariota has almost has to be as good as he has been because the defense is so bad at tackling. It is the defense is really good at being in the right place most of the time, running with receivers you know, following their keys and then they just slip down everybody and allow for yards after contact. If there even is contact in Oregon, this is a stat I saw on Saturday, just tooling around on CFB stats, which by the way is the gold standard. Great website. Um, you can get anything and everything you want. Um, Oregon has allowed 142 plays of 10 plus yards this season, which I believe is second to last in the country to Cal. So in terms of defense, this was not the greatest in terms of if you like long plays and broken plays, this was a great game to watch. Oregon gave up 144 all of last season, 142 thus far. I think Oregon is allowing a, a great number of plays. So all things considered with how bad Oregon's been in terms of fundamentally sound defense and they have the in total with talented players on that, on that side of the ball, they are a below average defense and a far above average offense. And if nothing else, their games should be entertaining, if nothing else. And I think that's fair. They're good enough to make the playoff. Um, they most certainly, like every other team in the country, have a a noted flaw. And we'll see if it's a flaw that's bad enough as they get healthier on both the defensive and offensive line throughout the season to to hold them back from winning the conference. At this point, it's hard for me to see, but, you know, it can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen in the words of Ellie Golden. Yes. <laughs> You stealing my golding references. I, you know, I do what I got to do here. How dare you, sir? Stanford 38, Oregon State 14. Stanford finally showing a bit of a pulse on offense. They handed the ball 
to nine different ball carriers and threw it to 10 different receivers. So truly a team effort for the Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Kevin Hogan, I thought I saw 277 through the air. Oregon State may not be the stiffest opponent, but it's nice to see Stanford scoring points. That That's a plus for Stanford, I would imagine. Yeah, Kevin Hogan, really, and we had talked about whether Kevin Hogan was the answer, and I don't know if they have a quarterback who's ready to be the answer for a team that sees itself as a 9-10-11 win program at the moment. So Kevin Hogan appears to be and had a, had a game that showed that he is their best option, which was needed from him and from the Stanford general offensive coaching staff. Uh, yeah, they spread the ball around a ton. So the, the ball was constantly being carried by fresh bodies. They spread it out to receivers in a, in a, in a good way. And Oregon State's not that good. That's a, that's a reality too. But Stanford has underperformed all season long against good and bad teams within the Pac-12. So I would say a nice night for Stanford ahead of the Oregon game. Uh, there's still a number of questions to me, but if Oregon on defense can wrap up people, and they don't have to tackle Tyler Gaffney. They don't have to t- tackle Toby Gerhardt. It's not the same Stanford team that we've seen in the past few years against Oregon. Still a Stanford team that's good enough to go to Eugene and win. UCLA 40, Colorado 37. Double mm-hmm. overtime, Dan. I no, watch this. No defense to speak of in this game. 1,000 no. plus total yards. The big takeaway is for me, Colorado is improving. Absolutely. Sort of like a West Coast Kentucky. Yeah, they're improving. Not, not the same talent level, but yes, they they are coming at it more from the this is who we have. This yep. is the talent level we have. Let's maximize it. They are going in the right direction under Mike McIntyre. Mm-hmm. On the other side. My question, my takeaway about UCLA, UCLA six and two, by the way, doesn't feel like six and two. But now what would UCLA's record be without Brett Hundley? Yeah, they're a four and four, five and three team. Um, he is able to will them to so much because their defense has been so inconsistent. The running game as, as good as they played against Colorado, Paul Perkins had a very nice day. Brett Hundley at the end of that game though, they, they don't get better over the course of the game. They don't figure teams out. You see the scoring, you see how efficient they are with the ball. It, it slows down UCLA's just sort of proclivity to excite. And I, I want to see more. I want to believe in UCLA more, but man, are they just not fun at all? And in Colorado, there's at least a thing where like they are being taught well. Nelson Spruce, when when Seifo, Leifau, Lufau, whatever, he's able to deliver, which is some of the time, and he's improved as well. They're dangerous. They can hang with people. Colorado is not at the level of anybody, but UCLA is just sort of like, well, well, great. Mm. Um. Also, how is Brett Hundley under pressure? Not our newest Nick Foles in a losing effort. Should we download and license the song under pressure by David Bowie and queen? <laughs> I was thinking that uh, tech mobile sound that yeah, that, that really does feel like something that Brett Hundley would hear between his ears. I'll make that happen. Yeah. From the next time I'm doing a show, I'll make that happen. <laughs> uh, the only other tidbits, the two Arizona teams were in action, Arizona state, won 24 to 10 on the road in Washington. Taylor yeah. Kelly came back through two touchdowns and Siler uh, miles did not play for Washington. Siler miles did not play. Symptoms, yeah. Uh, ASU six and one. They'll head back to Tempe for two really big games. I talked about some of the clarity we might get for the PAC 12 South. Yeah. ASU has Utah this coming week, and then they've got Notre Dame the <laughs> following week. So yeah, Utah ASU is going to be fun. Two really big games. And yeah. then Arizona, Beat up on Wazoo 59 to 37. 
Yeah, they jumped out late and they had two huge quarters. Are you an ASU believer at this point? You know, I kind of feel like I'm more of an ASU believer with Mike Bercovici than I am Taylor Kelly. Really? I'm I'm I think Taylor Kelly is clearly better. Bercovici is I mean, he's baby snaky. Yeah. He's he's wild cardy. I think Taylor Kelly I, he, he didn't have a fantastic he had actually had a pretty little night against uh against Washington, but it was raining and kind of gross, so I'm okay with it. Taylor Kelly, I feel like gives them their best chance to win against good teams. Um when they're able to run consistently, when he is efficient, their defense obviously has improved and Washington's offense has struggled against almost everybody other than Cal uh, and I guess Eastern Washington. But um, it, I think it's time to believe in ASU as a more complete team than we thought in early September. They've clearly gotten better on defense. They're well coached everywhere. Um, they had the, the awful week against UCLA with the special teams and broken plays. But in terms of what we've seen from them in October, and I don't know if was the UCLA game in October or was it the, the end of September? I don't know. Whatever the case is, whatever the opposite of Sarktober is, UCLA was in September. So it's beating USC, beating Stanford, and beating Washington um, in successive games for them. They had a bye week between USC and Stanford. It's been a great, whatever the anti Sarktober is. So it's Gramtober, um, Octodder. Where, no? No. Okay. We can no? do that. Okay. All right. October. Yeah. God, I'm not saying that ever again. Uh, it's been a very good October for ASU. I think you have to believe much more than I think a lot of us thought we would in September. October. October. That's like a bad character from Spider-Man. It sounds like what somebody would call October in a remote fishing village in like Rhode Island or Maine. October. Oh yeah. The, uh, the waves are pretty brutal in October. <laughs> Yeah, I believe in ASU. I'm terrified of that game as a Notre Dame fan. As you should be, yes. I'm terrified. That's a bad matchup for Notre Dame. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. November 8th, by the way. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. November 8th is really shaping up to be a nice weekend of football. So Mm. clear the calendar right now. No cats that weekend. November 8th. Let's move on. Big Ten football. Big Ten football. Ohio State 31, Penn State 24. Yeah. In double overtime, Dan. Um, White out. White out. It was Pac 12 Appreciation Week for the Big Ten referees. I thought that was yes, a nice it touch. Was. Nice you. touch. Um, it was, and I had this on like the. I'm. Do you use picture in picture? Does your TV have picture in picture? Do TVs still do picture in picture? Mine does. I mean, my, really? my Sony, my Sony is probably at this point, it's 2014, four or five years old. So maybe it was one of the last models that did it. You need like a 45 inch minimum TV, I think, to really enjoy the picture in picture experience. Mine's, mine's 46 and I'm not far from oh, it. Oh, wow. There my you go. couch isn't far, so it's nice. Um, okay. So I had this game on with, I mean, the, the Ole Miss LSU game mostly, and it was awful. <laughs> it was not that fun to watch to steal a page from your book. Yeah. What was your favorite bad call in this game? Oh God. The, um, the interception, the combo of the interception, the early, I think it was the first drive, right? The yep. Von Bell first drive, first drive pick. Um, the fact that it was reviewed and then later came out that is like, Oh, um, Ooh, here's the thing. When we said we reviewed it, the equipment didn't work. So it technically. So what were they doing? Wasn't a review. What were they doing when they were claiming to be reviewing this? I don't know. They were just pacing and like, well, give it, just give it a minute. So it makes it seem like we're reviewing it. Just like, just like play Sudoku for a minute and just like report like, Hey, we couldn't overrule control. Uh, I'll delete. Try it again. 
Yeah, that's and they can't use the house video feed is what they said. The protocol is not in line to do that per the rules of officiating. So that was bad. The the weird phantom timeouts were bad. The play clock going to zero seconds was like and it hit zero, two, three, four, Mississippi four. and kick like that was a, that was pretty bad. And this is something I should also note as bad as those plays were. And they led to 10 Ohio State points. Penn State still to their credit. Didn't just wallow. They clawed back. They get the pick six. Uh, Hack has the nice pass. Bill Belton is, was that in the first overtime? First overtime. He puts it in from like four or five yards out. Ficken hits the, the field goal to send it to overtime. So I, again, I, I buy into teams who can maintain focus after adversity. I think that's an impressive thing. And it speaks to sort of a general cohesion between coaches and players uh, and buy in. But, um, Penn State did have an opportunity. They did. They had the the dumb personal foul thing that gave JT Baird and Ohio State the the ball at the twelve yard line in, in double overtime. But uh, good for Penn State to to rally. Well, yeah, absolutely. We mentioned this on Wednesday. Curious to see. Did you lock up Ohio State? I did not lock up Ohio okay. State. I actually locked up the under fifty one and a half, which would have hit if this game hadn't gone overtime. Correct. So I wasn't that far off, although it still right. counts as a loss on the sheet. JT Barrett on the road at night, whiteout Beaver Stadium. Mm-hmm. We were both pretty curious to see how he's going to react. Yeah. He was not the same player he's been the last month. No. The focus of Ohio State's game plan appeared to be the ground game. The ground game was where they focused their energy. 57 yeah. attempts, 219, and two touchdowns in this game. Just 74 yards through the air, and Ohio State was held scoreless in the entire second half. Mm-hmm. Penn State's played really solid defense this year. Very good. Really the only reason they're in any of these games because the defense has played as well as it has. The offense is still really bad. And you're right. They claw and they fight and uh-huh. they're not giving up. I have no idea how they managed to get back in this game, Dan. I really don't. Christian Hackenberg ran for his life the entire game. So far, he has taken it in stride this season. Yeah. It finally seemed to frustrate him a little bit here, and I, yeah. I can't say I blame him. Joey Bosa's a bad man. Um, Penn State gets a pick six, then a field goal, then a touchdown run. Again, they somehow tack on 17. They ruin my lock of the week. It's it's okay. <laughs> right. They do lose this game by seven. They could have won. Here is one problem I have with Penn State. The offense was always going to be bad because of the O-line. We're seeing now how bad that line is. But here's my problem with the current state of affairs at Penn State. You know I like James Franklin. Mm -hmm. I love Jimmy Franklin. You know I like you, baby. Great recruiter. Has instilled enthusiasm in this program. Mm -hmm. In due time, they're going to be really good, no doubt. Mm -hmm. This was like the third or fourth time now where Penn State had a game come down to the wire and they had to execute a two minute drill. Every single time it's happened this year, they have looked horribly underprepared. Yeah. Horribly underprepared. Yesterday's highlights included clocking the ball on first down when the clock was already stopped. Yeah. And accidentally burning their final timeout. Yeah. All right. There is a common denominator here. It happens every time. Every time so far, it's been the exact circumstance we saw yesterday. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. James Franklin's a bright guy mm-hmm. and you got a good quarterback. But why is it every single two minute drill 
feels frenetic and horribly unorganized. Um, a bad offensive line will will help out with that as prepared as a quarterback and coaching staff can be at times. I think it's just in general, they're not a team ready to execute on a high level consistently week in and week out. And that's okay. I think they eventually will be, Yeah. but it's, you know, when, when the lights are bright and you don't have guys to spell you and you can't run the ball and you're not given time, it's just very hard to do things you'd like to do. Yeah. Um, Ohio state, by the way, I don't think is a finished product. I think we saw that here. Right. Uh, they've got a big test, a big road test on November 8th. Did you hear me, people? Road test Uh-oh. in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium. The address <laughs> of Spartan Stadium, 325 West Shaw Lane, East Lansing, Michigan, 48824. Yeah. Okay, I'm running that down. Yep. That is true. where the game is. Do not tweet me anymore about this. <laughs> do not tell me I need to do my research. I already know I screwed it up. Right. The game's in Spartan Stadium. Spartan Stadium, Dan, played host to the latest installment of Michigan State, Michigan on Saturday. Uh, Not familiar with that second team you mentioned. 35 to 11, your final score. A classic move of defiance by Michigan. (laughs) Okay. Classic move, right? They're big brother. Yeah. They're going to show little brother, the Spartans, who's boss. We got it. So what did they do? They drive a stake. <laughs> yeah, see? A stake into the grass at Spartan Stadium before yeah. the game. Timothy Burke on Deadspin hit this one out of the park. I'm going to read you his little quote here. He says, at least FSU uses a flaming spear. Yeah. You guys brought a spike, literally mm-hmm. a piece of garbage you found by the side of a road. Who exactly are you intimidating by wielding a spike? Hobos? Yeah, unless you're actually going to give your your offensive linemen said spikes, um, it's not going to do much. At least they didn't fumble the spike. I guess that's the highlight. <laughs> yeah, or throw a, a shovel spike pass for an <laughs> interception. <laughs> oh, Michigan. So Mark D'Antonio said he ran it up. Yeah, he ran it up because he didn't appreciate it. I don't blame him. Yeah, screw it. There was a play late in the game. They could have just run the clock out. Instead, they gave it to Jeremy Langford. He got his third touchdown to mm-hmm. complement 177 yards on the ground. This game was over pretty much before it started. We all knew that. 28 to 3 was your score after three quarters. Yeah. You did mention the shuffle pass. Mm-hmm. Shuffle interception. The shovel interception. Talk about the shuffle pass, Dan. Um, there are correct ways and incorrect ways. So a shovel pass eyesight and making eyes with your intended receiver. Oh, that sounds way more romantic than intended um, is the way to go. Devin Gardner was hurried and did, did no such thing. And between that, between the, just like, I'm going to, I think it was a play action. He was, he faked the the handoff in the shotgun and it pulled it back. And then it just, it dropped another play is a fumble there. Michigan is just a disaster. They are just an amalgamation of every single thing that could go wrong offensively. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a line. They don't have consistent skill players. They don't have a plan. They don't have good coaching. There's not much in the way of anything positive to take away from anything uh, that has to do with Michigan offense Their defense has been fine. They weren't great against Michigan state, but it's so you can only do so much when the offense puts you in terrible position after terrible position. And Michigan will eventually get a, a coach better prepared to deal with the rigors of 
Big Ten football. I don't know. <laughs> Rigorous feels like a very um, big word for what actually you need to be able to do to win in the Big Ten, which is just to have better athletes than most teams and out-execute. Um, even just watching Michigan come out in the second half. You want to hear my impression of Brady Hoke's strategy and adjustment would, at halftime? I would love to. Uh, 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 we could, um, uh, um, that's it. That is the extent of Brady Hoke's speech. We could, no. Uh, that's a that's pretty it. good Brady Hoke. Thank you. Thank you very much. Brady Hoke, by the way, apologize uh, for the spike incident. That's stupid. Don't apologize for that. You know what he's acting like at this point? Between the What's spike that? and all the other stuff that's going on with Shane Morris and the concussion, and he's acting like George Costanza trying to get fired from the Yankees. Yeah. He's trying to get a deal so he can take that job with the Mets. I would say I hate when people do something that's aggressive and then people don't react the way they think they're going to react and then they apologize. Come on. Own that, Brady Hoke. Go down swinging. Own it. They're like, yeah, we wanted to do something to pump ourselves up. It didn't turn out, but screw it. Like, we like being aggressive and we are unified and we're all in this together. Like own your own the stupidity. My life philosophy is always embraced. Dude, embrace that. Come on. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, Nebraska runs it up on Rutgers. They win by 18. Thanks to Fear Amir. Yeah, Amir Abdullah. A school record 341 total yards, Dan. He is their entire offense this season. Is that good? Is that good? Is that a good stat? That's a video game stat. <laughs> He's ridiculous. They're going to miss him. And he is maybe the best running back ever to play for Nebraska. And so I am happy that we get a chance to see him. And I put Nebraska games when they're on full 46 inch, not the picture in picture. Because it's worth it. Yeah. The full 46. Um, yeah. Rutgers isn't that good. And Nebraska is pretty good. I wish they had better quarterback play. And Randy Gregory is somebody that puts the fear of God into me yeah, in oh yeah. the best possible way. And it actually secretly, I don't know, secretly, not so secretly, it's been a very good defensive end year in college football. Yeah, it has. Just between Randy Gregory, um, Ryan Mueller at Kansas State was just completely unblockable against Texas. Um, Joey Bosa with his six tackles, I want to say two, two and a half sacks. It's been in terms of great Mario Edwards at times for Florida State. Um, I'm trying, I'm surely leaving off a ton of people. Kakaha at Washington sure. is quietly the, I mean, he's technically an outside linebacker in that scheme, but for pass rushers in general, it's been a fun year. Uh, Wisconsin 52, Maryland seven. Melvin, Melvin Gordon finished with 122 yards. He had three first half touchdowns, Dan. Again, your final here was a 45 point thumping yeah in favor of wisconsin give me one good reason why randy etzel should not be fired at the end of the season give me one good reason um i maybe they probably owe him a lot of money <laughs> i think that's a pretty good reason <laughs> when that's the um, only reason things are not good yeah maryland will, i think they'll be okay i think they'll be fine they should be able to recruit relatively well um when you so have skill guys though they don't have bad skill position talent no, but you need more than that. You need more, but when you have those kind of players... C.J. Brown is not particularly good. But they still have no identity. Right. They have no they, identity. They're not They're not a great team. 
I, I don't know what to tell you. It frustrates me. I think you expected more. And I think I, I know I expected more and we were wrong. And that happens. I'm a year and early on everyone. So next year they'll go like 10 and two. Yeah. Stave wasn't. Yeah. I was real big on Ole Miss last season. Uh, yeah. Stave, not a great day. Sometimes when I watch Wisconsin games and they're one of those ga- teams that you just sort of flip through, you can't really stomach a, a full big 10 game. Oh God, no. On noon Eastern. No. Um, when, when Melvin Gordon, if he is a team captain, I've seen it a couple of times when you go out to shake hands with the other team captains for the coin flip. I want him to, in my head, I picture him saying, hi, I'm the offense. I'm the offense. Uh, I'm, I'm Melvin. I'm the offense. I'm the entire offense. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'll see you out there. Uh, and finally, Illinois beats Minnesota. The drive for six wins still alive. Six in Champaign. Sort of a surprising result. People were high on Minnesota. They were leading the Big Ten West. Yeah. And uh, TCU fans not happy with this. No, this is not a great game. TCU fans with the collective. You had one job. Yeah. One job, Minnesota. Beat Illinois. TCU, by the way, taking that frustration out on Texas Tech. Oops. Hanging 82 on the Red Raiders. Your final 82 to 27. Again, 82 points. Clearly, clearly going for the jugular at this point. They feel they've got something to prove. I feel they've proven it. Mm -hmm. Trevon Boykin, 22 of 39, 433 passing yards and seven touchdowns dan wow yeah. wow what a performance may i um put you on the spot please that's what i do yes uh who are the four best players in the country okay not who are the four best players because i would probably have kakaha on there from washington who are the four players that you feel like are certainties through week nine to be invited to new york amir abdullah okay um i'm gonna leave winston and Gurley out just because i don't know what their status is Right. They're, not, they're not certainties by any Winston means. had maybe the best second half or best half of football of any quarterback this year against Notre Dame, just in terms of what he's able to do in a rhythm or one of the best halves. But yeah, he's been up and down. So I'm going to leave those two guys out. But mm-hmm. Amir Abdullah, I think Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Um, you think the quarterback with 24 touchdowns to one pick and a win over Michigan State? You think? I think um, okay. finesse quarterbacks don't get a lot of attention <laughs> when it comes to the Heisman. But yeah. Uh, oh. I'll allow it. Okay. Trevon Boykin's got to be in there. Yeah. He's got to be in there. I, I, right. He has to. Who's your fourth guy? Um, I would have been very clear on Dak Prescott. Had he not struggled a little bit against yeah, see, that's Kentucky what I'm yesterday. Thinking too. Amari um, Cooper. I, I would probably, and I'm going to, I don't have his line off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, if you're going to go with the receiver there, I have no problem with Cooper. Um, Kevin White. I think Kevin White had his first like down game against Oklahoma State. So maybe before yesterday and even after yesterday, it might be Kevin White. If you read any of the preseason publications, mm-hmm. quarterback was the big unknown for TCU. Can he adjust? Can he fit into this air raid system? Mm-hmm. Clearly, that's working out so far. I would say so. <laughs> Also, you know who else I would include in that? And I, he probably, um, he almost assuredly won't get there. Um, Tevin Coleman. I'm going to use my old joke that I still like and that you still like. So we're going to still use it. He doesn't have, do you have a favorite Tevin Coleman game where he didn't go for a hundred yards? Yeah. He's good. <laughs> he doesn't He's against everybody for Indiana. Mind you, the degree of difficulty in playing for Indiana is higher. And he's he, great. 
130 against Michigan State, two over 200 against Iowa. Uh, Maryland, he goes for 122. Missouri, 132. He's just fantastic, a fantastic individual talent on a team without a ton of that. So um, I, I don't know if he makes New York, but I would I would very much like to hear his name, and I I would very much like to keep talking about him in that sort of conversation deep into the season if he keeps uh, keeps doing what he's doing. All right. I want to talk about West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and very quickly about K-State and Texas, but you're picking now, gun to your head. Mm-hmm. You are the selection committee, Dan Rubenstein, who's the best team in the Big 12. TCU. Yeah, I agree. I feel yeah, pretty confident I, about that. Yeah, I think their ability to win in multiple ways. I think the progression of the offense from last year to this year and opening things up and having multiple, having you know, Catalan and Gray, uh, they're just they're good. They their their defense is can score. It's a good scoring defense. They stop people from scoring, and they themselves score, which is a it's a fancy little way of playing football, being complete. Um, and I think TCU on a neutral field would who I'd feel most comfortable with short, like very quickly followed by Kansas state. All right. West Virginia, 34, Oklahoma state, 10 West Virginia. Now officially bowl eligible. You mentioned that Kevin white had a bit of a down game and he did, but didn't we have a West Virginia bowl eligibility talk after week two or three? Yeah. Yeah, we did. This has been a great story this season. um, Dana Holgerson at the start of the year, right? When we did our previews, Mm -hmm. what's his deal going to be at the end of the season? Where is he going to be? Is he going to be coaching the team? Is the defense going to get any better? Well, West Virginia's looked pretty solid last couple weeks. The defense has improved. I don't know to what degree you can look at Oklahoma State's 10 points and say that West Virginia has a shutdown defense because I think I think Oklahoma State's a bit of a mess on offense. Yeah. So I don't want to give West Virginia too much credit defensively, but they certainly are improved. Now this is clearly a step forward. I want to see what they do next season. Because they're not going to have Clint Trickett around, but right. they have definitely improved from year to year now under Dana Holgerson. He will definitely be back in Morgantown next year. And they've got a big game coming up next week. They've got a couple big games. They play TCU at home next week. That'll be a fun one for you guys to oh preview. God. Yeah, I think game day is going. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a West Virginia fan right now. Yeah, and with this is a similar thing to a number of teams. There's that big asterisk, that big if. If this team is able to do blank, they're borderline unbeatable. If West Virginia is able to run the ball consistently like yeah. they did against Oklahoma state, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's another team where you're like, you need to score 43 points or more to beat this team. Yeah. That's just the reality at a certain point with this West Virginia team, which is getting really, really fun to watch. And finally, K state 23, Texas nil K state yeah. pitches a shutout K state again, not sexy. They just sort of wore Everybody Texas has down. their own taste. Ty. They wore Texas down. True. Texas still a mess offensively. K-State really good. Really solid. I don't know if this game came as a huge surprise to anyone. I remember when we previewed, this was a game you were interested in because you thought Texas's defense could hold down K-State. And for a good chunk of this game, they did. Yeah. They, they were only like two scores down. It's 13 nothing at halftime. Yeah, they were only two scores down, I think, late in this game. Oh, yeah, it was 16 nothing after the third quarter. Sure. So, you know, Texas got to get better on offense, but uh, another solid performance for K-State. Yeah, I was the the step that I liked from K-State was they didn't count on Jake Waters on the ground a ton. They leaned on Charles Jones and Marcus Robinson more and more, which I like. Uh, it's still good to have that threat for that weird pop. Not weird. It's fantastic. Their pop plat pass option thing that they yeah. run. Um, but Jake Waters had a had a decent enough game. You know, Kansas State, they're pretty good on third down. They don't turn the ball over. 
tough to beat them, especially when it's in uh, in the Little Apple, especially when Texas never does that. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. And finally, because there wasn't a ton of action in the ACC, but we do want to address and I'm going to rip through these real quick at the end. You could tell me if you have any takeaways. North Carolina wins 28-27 over UVA. Boston College wins 23-17 over Wake. Georgia Tech 56, Pitt 28. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pitt had like four turnovers in five minutes. It was, was real bad. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to keep going there, but I had to uh, interject. Yeah. Clemson 16, Syracuse 6, and Miami 30, Virginia Tech 6. Two big points here. Clemson needed all of those four quarters to beat Syracuse and score 16 points. Not the same team without Deshaun Watson. Uh, definitely not. The other point I would say is much more important. And Miami basically said, hi, Duke Johnson. Uh, here's the ball. And just that's, that's everything that's, you are going to hold the ball for the entire game. So Duke Johnson is ridiculous. And he went for 250 yards. Uh, Brad Kaya has been pretty good. Didn't do much against Virginia tech. Virginia tech is a below average football team that beat a Pretty decent Ohio State team and really screwing them, really screwing over the Buckeyes, which is kind of funny. Um, But Miami, actually, this is something that talked about a little bit earlier on Wake Up College Football on SBNation.com. It's a website. Company man. Um, Miami is now at the point where even though they still have a true freshman and Brad Kaya quarterback who's decently good, they've got a good running game. They've got an okay offensive line. And they've developed into possessing a really good defense. They're a top 15 defense, Miami. So ahead of Florida State in whatever, a couple weeks, which is in Miami, um, they've got a running game and a decent defense. And that's a good enough thing to hang with Florida State for most, if not all of a game. What I like about their defense is that they're better against the pass than the run. And I think that puts them in a good position, a better position against Florida State. If you yeah. were if you were better Florida against State the, can't run the ball, right? If you were better against the run and mediocre against the pass, that would not be a great matchup for Florida State. But it mm-hmm. is the other way around. They've played really well against the pass so far this year. They really have. And I do like Brad Kaya. I think it might take a little while for Miami to fully grow into what it's going to be with him at the helm. Right. But Al Golden's got something here. He's got something in Brad Kai. He definitely looks the part. Absolutely. And I, I am intrigued by that Miami game in a couple weeks against Florida State. I don't think they're good enough to beat Florida State, but are they good enough to hang around with them? Good enough to take advantage of mistakes? Sure. You know, Florida State has not nearly been as invincible as they were a year ago. Is Louisville good enough to hang with Florida State this coming week? That is very interesting to me because they might have a top five defense in the country. Granted, yeah. it's against the teams that Louisville's played against, but um, Thursday night, at the Papa J, you never know. Crazy stuff has happened at the Papa J. The Papa J. Surprisingly, the Louisville offense. Now they're dealing with their own amount of attrition from last season. Right. The offense has not been up to snuff. Bobby Petrino will eventually, assuming he stays, will eventually craft a top 15, top 20 offense there year in and year out. We would assume. The defense this year, though, according to the S&P plus ranking on football outsiders is fourth. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would say so. Yes. They're going to test Florida state. So don't think they'll win, but I do like their chances to at least hang with them. That's all we got here, Dan. Yeah. That's all we got. May I ask you a question? And I am going to be very specific that I do not want to prolong this. Sure. Who are your best four teams in the country? Best four teams in the country. 
right I now. I don't want to. I don't want to go through hypothetical scenarios. I don't want to do any of that garbage because it's just a waste of our breaths. But right now, if the playoffs were to start today, who to you are the best four teams in the country that you'd like to see in a playoff? Best four teams in no particular order: Mississippi State, mm-hmm. Florida State, yeah, TCU. Wow, I love TCU. Wow, and um. I do not honestly believe that Oregon is one of the four best teams in the country. That's okay. And I'm not saying that just to rattle you. And I'm also no, not going to totally put, no, I'm also not going to put Notre Dame in there. Right. I'm not going to put Notre Dame in there, but so who's your fourth team? Fourth team. I think Alabama TCU, Alabama, Florida state, Mississippi state. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't think I would put TCU that high. Um, I would, I would be fine with either. Oregon or God, I probably, I really, in my heart of hearts think you need to be a little bit more complete than Oregon is at this point. I'm curious to see what they do against Stanford. Um, But yeah, I would say, see, and then here's the, here's the thing. Here's a dilemma for me. I'm trying to be as objective as I can with this. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't mind seeing Oregon play any of these teams. Sure. I really would. I'm not rooting actively against Oregon. Right. I just, I don't believe looking around that, you can ignore what's going on in the SEC West. I wouldn't put Michigan State in ahead of Oregon. No. Because no. of their head-to-head, and I think Oregon has much better wins at this point than Michigan State. Um, if you The things that you are saying about Oregon, that I am saying about Oregon, are true to a certain extent about Auburn. I like I very much like rewarding teams that have scheduled decent non-conference to good non-conference, which is why I actually like Auburn a lot uh, for scheduling and beating Kansas State in, in Manhattan. So I'll say Mississippi State, Florida State, Alabama. I might say Ole Miss. Okay. I might even keep them there, or I would go with Oregon. I'm I'm okay with either one. I like their wins. I like how many ways that they can win. Um, but uh, I'm I'm sort of not sold on anybody at number four. But I like Alabama, Florida State, Mississippi State. Yeah, and I'll I'll address Notre Dame very quickly. The problem with Notre Dame right now, it's not that they're not a good team and it's not. Oh, that they're very good. They're a very good team. And there are plenty of circumstances where they could find their way in there. We're not going to talk through hypotheticals. Right. I, don't, I don't want to prolong this any longer. Sure. The problem is, though, that their signature win is a close loss. Yeah, that's the problem. It's a, so if Ohio State had a loss win last night, that was a, a win loss. Exactly. Now, that's yeah. not a bad thing in a year when everyone's knocking each other off. Right. But their signature win to this point is a, is a very close loss to Florida State. They need Arizona State to keep winning because yep. USC is going to be up and down. They win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. All right. Notre Dame needs to see each of the teams on its schedule, maybe outside Navy. Yeah. Look strong down the stretch if they want to have any shot at this thing, because otherwise yeah, the resume is not strong enough. Yeah, I don't think going to somebody and saying, Hey, we beat USC is like, no, that's not. It, so did Boston college. That's Who cares? not like Congratulations. in the trophy case any longer. Right. It's not, not right 2007, now. everybody. All right. Well, that's all I got. Is there anything else? No, that's, I, I mean, I want to thank some people. Please. Oh, by all we, means, the shout outs. Yes. We are nothing. If not a, a grateful duo, I want to thank Redbird Craig. Redbird Craig coming through Nathan Fletcher, Andy Newber, by the way, doubled up both the Twitter and the Facebook and which by the way, full priority to people sharing the show on Facebook and thanking them because that, yes, that is heroic. Andrew Sidebottom, Aaron Saunders, Rich Sigich. I do not know how to pronounce that last name. Our old friend, Nathan Fedorchak, Fedorchak. I don't know. Ryan Resch, 
Uh, Rock Grillich just coming through for us week in and week out. Again, Andy Luber, uh, Andy Newber, excuse me. Jay Levi Bernfin, close, close, dear friend of the show. That's right. Alex McGrath, Evan Washburn once again. JD Beave, um, I'm a little uncomfortable saying that. Jeff Jacobs, Ray Parrish, Clown Shoes 14. Do not trust imposters. Look for the 14 when you're looking up clown shoes. Yep. Tim Griffin, the Dandroid, of course, has been fantastic with sharing the show. Uh, and and the guys on Facebook, I mentioned Newber already, but the guys on Dan Corn. Yeah. Great name. Great guy. Uh, Jonathan Softcheck. I hope I pronounced that correctly as well. Uh, Joe Reynolds, uh, Jeremy Stutz, uh, the Dingleberry Lounge. Yeah, no, that's weird, but it's uh, catchy. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm going to no. thank the, the lounge anyway for sharing the show. So thank you to everybody who shared the show. Um, everybody. Did we get any Lehigh? pictures well we had the lehigh alumni association right tweeting out left and right to send in their pictures of tailgating to us i have not gone back through to check it's been a crazy day i will go back and check and see if we got anything i didn't see much and i gotta say ty the lehigh community and alumni base pretty questionable group to align yourselves with yeah well they picked it up we didn't tell them to do it i know i know i know lehigh We, we we love the mountain hawks um, and I'll have you know, the solid fiance has many redeeming qualities. <laughs> no, I, I fully trust that. And Lehigh put up a good fight against Fordham, but please, please. We're talking about New York City's one true team. Fordham goes on the road and beats Lehigh. The Crossaders take down the Leps. Did not see this coming. Did not. Holy Cross goes on the road. They get their first road win. Colgate goes to Albany and subsequently loses because they're jokes. You are jokes, Albany. And of course, Georgetown with some good fight late. You want to be a live bulldog. I get it, but it's not happening to call our back as Bucknell goes to Georgetown goes to six and one. And when does Bucknell play against Fordham? Uh, that's the game in Wembley stadium, right? Friday night, November 7th. So yeah. a week from this past Friday um, or no two weeks from Friday, this past Friday or week from this coming Friday. It's huge. And when they're adding, I'm told, I'm told this is unofficial at the moment. They're adding rafters. They're adding extra yeah. seating to Wembley stadium. Yeah. So clear your sketch. That one's going to be a humdinger. Okay. All right. Well, that does it boys and girls. Solid verbal at gmail.com. Still the email. Find us on Facebook, on FanCred, And of course on Twitter, Dan, I am off to Mexico. Where in Mexico. We're going to Riviera Maya. Okay. Nice. Going to Riviera Maya. Food. Yeah, I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to be tweeting out. I'm going to try to watch the games from Riviera Maya. Do you get Maya. tan? Do I get tan? Yeah. Oh do you my get God. That, that Italian olive complexion? I do. I do. Do you anticipate coming back with a, a nice late October tan? Um, There's supposed to be rain the first couple days we're there. Okay. So I would, I would say the it's kind of storm season. Yeah, the status of my of my tan is entirely contingent upon the weather forecast. So are we'll you see. a, are you a, a sunscreener? I'm not a big tanner. I'm like, I don't, I don't get in. I get bored sitting on the beach. Really? Yeah. I'm just, so you're I'm, not, you're not lotioning and, and no, screening. No, no. So you go on there. You're, you're totally skin raw. Most of the time. Wow. Ty, yeah. skin health is no joke. Most of the time. I'm not out in the sun that long. I don't know. Are you golfing? What do you do? What are the I activities? Know. I don't know. I'd, I wouldn't mind golfing, although I did read a review that someone spotted a cougar on the golf course we wanted to go to, like an actual cougar. Not a lady uh, between her 42 and 55. Right, right, right. No, this is an okay. actual cougar. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. how I feel about that. Um, 
We'll I see. think it adds character. It adds texture. Oh, it definitely adds character. Yeah. So we'll right. see. I will be trying to watch the games as best I can. I will be trying to tweet. Yeah. I do want to point out that Dan's going to do a show with uh, Mr. Celebrity Hot Tub, Mr. Ryan Nanny, yeah. Yeah. on Wednesday and again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So the reverb line temporarily for this week, we're going to close it down. I'm going to close okay. it down. If you have yeah. thoughts, though, if you have thoughts, please do email us. Yeah. Please do tweet us. Mm-hmm. Please do post something to us on Facebook or on FanCred. Yeah, I think we're going to be doing more and more of those fun Facebook chats that we've been doing. They've been a lot of fun. So post your thoughts there. Dan yeah. and Ryan will collect them. They'll do their best to capture the essence of the reverbs in a different format. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back, when I get back from Mexico, I'll, I'll tan, you know, yeah. the Olive fun complexion stuff. Tie. Yeah. Olive complexion tie. On Wednesday, we will reopen the reverb line and then we can get things rolling again. Ty, I'm pleading with you. Skin health is no joke. I'll go like SPF 30 for you. Oh, that's fine. I think that's totally acceptable. I would have accepted 25. Okay. Well, this has been fun, Dan. It's been a great time. For that guy over there, Mr. Daniel Rubenstein in beautiful New York City. For myself, Ty Hildenbrand here, all the way over here, Solid Verbal West Studios in Eastern Pennsylvania. Thanks again mm-hmm. for tuning into the show. Thanks again for calling in. We will catch you all in a few days. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.